everyone. Welcome back to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Fraz. I'm Redacted, and we don't know what episode we're on. <laughs> I think <laughs> Say this is number five. wise, is this going to be five? Because we're going to change the order. The reason we're switching the episodes is because we have a very, very special announcement to make. I quit! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm very, very sad about it, actually, but that's why fine. we got the hats. That's why we got the hat. For good cheer. Um, yeah, so I am no longer employed or under contract as a teacher. Instead of taking a leave of absence, I said, you know what? I'm going to just leave. So you Plain took a leave. leave of absence and you took that to spirit because you put 100% effort into every single thing that you do. So you said, I'm not going to take a regular leave of absence. I'm going to take it the full way because I'm an overachiever. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to leave. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave this leave of absence. The and they literally called me and they were like, hey, you need to resubmit your leave of absence form because we lost it. And when we found it, we discovered your new principal declined your entire leave of absence. And I actually responded, um, I think I'm going to resign. And she goes, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think that'd be better. You just said, actually, could you send me a different form? I've had a change of heart. <laughs> That our influencer left. That was the one we counted on not leaving. Why do you think we rejected the application? <laughs> we didn't expect this at all. Um, oh. It was just a wild experience. But I'm gonna lose my health insurance either way, so might as well just quit. I like need to reapply. Wait, you lose your health insurance if you take a leave of absence for maternity leave for that long? Yeah. Why you would they do that weeks? when they could literally just not do that? Like I, like I know that oh, we get 12 weeks, but like you could just not do not do it that way. Do you know the other thing that they do? If you quit during maternity leave, during extended leave, they will make you pay mm -hmm. it back. So they're like, we paid $7,000 towards your health insurance, and then you quit, so you need to give us that money. How do they make you? Do they, like, Venmo request you, or do they, like, come to your house and have someone break your kneecaps? Like, what do you mean they make you? Like, are they going to report you to, like, the credit agencies if you don't pay? I literally think, yeah. It's hilarious that knees. this American school system is like the, the worst Nathan for you episode ever. We're going to make a school, but it's actually a health insurance company. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, dude. Oh, my Lord. Um, I got okay, really so. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, no, continue. You're ready or no? No, I should just stop talking. Thank you for joining us today, guest. <laughs> yes, so the, today's episode is 66% people who have quit teaching, so let's get to one that's still there. Everyone, please welcome my favorite person on planet Earth, my most loyal confidant, Quarter Life Crisis, also known by the U.S. government as Tati. Welcome, Tati. Hello. 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 Welcome to our show. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Welcome. Well, hi. As half of the internet knows me, I'm Quarter Life Crisis um, to the government and my friends. I'm Tati. Um, I'm a teacher in Florida. I haven't quit yet. Somehow I'm here. Um, it's year two for me, um, but I teach social studies and I am like a theater director this year with no theater directing experience. Um, they just really needed someone. Uh, so here I am. Previously, like before teaching, worked in our state capital in Tallahassee. Um, so I left Florida politics to come be a teacher, um, which maybe is what they're scared of. I don't know. But here I am. Um, and uh, I love it. So. 
So what did you do in Florida politics? Like, were you interacting with voters, the community, ad- admin stuff? Like, were you Ron DeSantis's bodyguard? I was not Ron DeSantis's bodyguard, but I did happen to go to grad school with 80% of his staff. But yeah. I was a legislative assistant for a private organization and we worked in healthcare policy. So I essentially was like the middleman between our lobbyists and all of the legislators and their staff. Before that, I worked for a representative from my hometown, which was really fun. I was his intern for a full session. So I got two years on the inside and the outside of Florida politics, both under Ron DeSantis. Um, The first one was his first year and it was just like kind of normal. Uh, And then the second year was when things were like, what is happening? I gotta go. And then I left. The second year is when Ron DeSantis started listening to the Alex Jones podcast. It's like every year that orange man started to creep away. Ronnie D was like, here I come. Ron got stronger. (laughs) But um, I never anticipated being a teacher. I like when I was growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher. And then as soon as I turned like 14, I said, never. I hate school. I'm never going to be a teacher. Teachers are stupid. Uh, And now here I am a teacher uh, being called the same thing sometimes by my students. What kind of situation are you teaching in? You're teaching in Ron DeSantis's Florida, right? Yes. What like grade level? (laughs) So I teach um, in one of the districts that fought back against him and I teach secondary social studies. So I primarily teach seniors and I teach government and I teach sociology as well, which is fun. Do you think you having worked in the government like IRL, not even in like a fake knockoff way, but like you were like in the the halls of Tallahassee Capitol being like, you didn't answer my email, Ron. Like, do you think that makes it easier for your students to like engage in class? Do you think it's been helpful in making teenagers learn about the government? Yeah, definitely. I think having experience that directly pertains to what I'm teaching has made them more engaged. This is a class they don't want to take. They were forced to take it. They're forced to be there. And it's their senior year. So like they're slowly starting to like check out and think about other parts of life. So as soon as I can say something in class and be like, hey, I did this, they're kind of like, wait, for real? Like, this isn't just something written in the textbook. Like, you did that? They're like, yeah, here's a picture. And they kind of care a little bit more. Yeah, that's really cool. This is why I'm very much in favor of, I think, especially for high school, people being teachers that have outside of education job experience and education backgrounds, things like that. I think it's very good for, for America's youth to be hearing from lots of sources. Fraz, I'm curious on your thoughts about that from, like, an elementary perspective, because I feel like from high school... It's a lot more about your subject that you're actually teaching. Like the content is a lot, I don't want to say heavier, but you get what I mean. It's a little more specific. So what are your thoughts on that in elementary school? Like, do you think it's usually beneficial to have people from non-education backgrounds or do they usually just like suffer? No, I I think it's great. I think that sometimes people from other education backgrounds suffer less than people who grew up wanting to be a teacher because I think there's something to be said for not spending your entire life being like, I know what being a teacher will be like. It will be magical. It's my dream. And then reality hits pretty hard. You get there and you're like, this dream is a lot less Chevron than what I anticipated. In California, if you're going to get your teaching credential, you get Mm -hmm. it as a fifth year program. That means that 
you already have a bachelor's. So Mm. you can get your bachelor's in anything you want. And in fact, there's not an education major at a lot of colleges here in Southern California. So it's like education boot camp. I think that really does help because I I have a theater arts degree. I don't have. Maybe you can help with the theater directing then. I'm like rebuilding the program they haven't done anything in three years so we have like zero dollars right now we're gonna get there that program you're it's gonna rise from the ashes like a phoenix under your leadership it's gonna be like les mis i think you should do an abby lee miller dance mom style pyramid every week i will be including maddie on the top and jojo every once in a while uh, but i think that in florida i don't know if i'm allowed to put up a picture of jojo siwa you're not Rhonda santis will actually descend from your ceiling tiles He's going to barge in my room like the Kool-Aid man. Speaking of Ron DeSantis, how is it going down there right now? What's the yeah, vibe? The vibe is scary. This year has just been really weird. All of this new legislation that passed, we were given absolutely no guidance on it. So, like, there's a new parental rights and education bill, which is the Don't Say Gay bill. Parental rights in education, like literally that's the most political title. That sounds like a tagline. That's a slogan. That's not the name of a law, sir. That's a slogan. So the parental rights in education (laughs) bill, as it's officially called, is the bill where it like requires you to like out students if they come out to you. But like technically it doesn't other than for K through three, like K through three has really strict guidelines. Everyone else, we do not. The law says or as deemed age inappropriate by district and no district wants to make a ruling yeah rightfully so like yeah like that's you're kind of like wait if you make a ruling on that if you're the first district to be like i came up with the rule that's literally like walking into a shark's mouth the shark's mouth being ron desantis's lawyer's email inbox Right. And like my district has already fought back against Ron DeSantis like so many times that it's like, do we say something again and risk like him pulling all of our money again? Or do we like deal with it and just like accept it? But no guidance. The whole first three weeks of school, they were like, oh, well, if a student tells you they want to go by a different name, you have to email your administrator their name and their student number and their parent contact. And then you have to go with your administrator and call the parent together to ask the parent if they're okay that the child goes by that name. So strict that like even a nickname, if a kid's name is Nicholas and he wants to be called Nick, like do I have to call home? Do I have to go meet with my administrator and call home? And they like couldn't give us an answer. The fact that somehow, actually not somehow, they do it every time. So I don't know, I need to just stop being surprised that this became more work and documentation for teachers. Like the fact that the whole law is just you having to send emails. Also, the part I want to note where you have to send the administrator the parent contact. Literally, what are, what what's their job part then? Like if they don't have the parent contact info, how are they an administrator? Yeah, they're babysitters. They just want to sit there and make sure that you're calling the right number, you're calling the parent, and you're actually saying what they want you to say. It's to technically be each other's legal witness, is what we were told. It's like, that's why you have to do it together, so that you're each other's legal witness, so a parent can't sue you. You're like, oh, let's call Judge Judy while we're at it. Like, let's have her on the call. And I'm like, hypothetically, if I just like never put in writing ever that a student wanted to go by a different name, would anything happen? Like, how can you prove that? You wouldn't have to prove it or disprove it because what would end up happening is a parent would get wind of it. It's going to fall on the teacher. It's never going to be admin's fault. It's never going to be Ron DeSantis's fault. It's always going to be the random ass teacher just trying to do their job and do right by their kids. That's going to get 
their ass fired. The new policy in Florida to protect teachers is when you're texting your students on a Remind app or a class docho, you can't use their name at all. Just say, hey, bestie, to all of them just to make sure you don't accidentally use a nickname. They literally told us at the beginning of the year, we don't know if you can use Remind. Then what are we doing here? Right. And I was like, um, what do you mean I can't use Remind to talk to my senior students? My kids are literally adults with jobs. Why do I have to go through like three modes of contact just to be like, hey, turn in this assignment from two months ago or you're going to fail? It shows that like the people like actually making these decisions, one, are probably helicopter parents. Two, have like no semblance of connection to the classroom at all because that's so unrealistic. The school I taught at had a lot of infrastructure issues. So sometimes I would get kicked out of my classroom because like the walls were leaking, the AC wasn't working, the power was out, whatever. And I would literally text the kids on Remind and be like, Ayo, room broken, go to this other room number. So like, if you are cutting off that communication, like all your schools better be perfect and teachers better never have to send out time sensitive information. We also just have lost a lot of resources. Like we can't use Newzella, which like in social studies I used all the time. We like technically can use it now, but every single thing has an advisory on it to like try to convince the teachers to read it before they assign it. So you can't just assign something and the students have no access unless you assign it. Newzella carried. When I taught summer school, kids read Newzella every single day because I had to teach four classes simultaneously. So the fact that they're, they stripped you all of your most basic right being Newzella well, the, also the Clearly. right to access those articles and that information. Like, this is extremely dystopian to me. Yo, I agree. Choice is so important to kids and their ability to read. And so many high schoolers, unfortunately, still can't read. Like, they lack that skill. Yeah. So you're taking away this choice from students that have their own thoughts and opinions because they're teenagers. And now they have no information in, like, a safe manner. So now they're going to go Google it and find it all over the place from, like, some satire website and not know what it means. The great thing about Newzella for especially for Tati what you were mentioning about literacy and social studies is like in social studies in like a core gen ed regular ed social studies class you have such a huge spectrum of kids reading ability especially in high school you have some kids that are beyond a college level reading and then you have some kids that are reading at an elementary level and Newzella is one of like the only websites where you can adjust a story by grade level so that is the only resource I ever had where we could all be on the same topic and I could scale the reading based on like student need so this shows like their crusade in education in Florida is literally going to destroy student outcomes. And they don't even realize what they're doing, I think. Like, I don't think they've thought more than 15 minutes in advance. I think they do know yeah. what they're doing. How can they not? I mean, they're literally restricting access to Newzella, which is literally knowledge, current events. I mean, it's accessible. And we know from history that when we strip people of the accessibility aspect of information, that it's systemic and on purpose. Yeah. It feels so sinister to me. Like, I am bewildered. I'm befuddled. Tati, I'm so happy yeah. you're here. What else do you have? Tell me everything. I'll um, sit here all night with yeah. you. Yeah. The Newzella thing was like a really big, like, 
first our courses without standardized tests social studies in particular we boost our ela department mm -hmm. so like those things are so important to overall outcomes we do a lot of support for like our standardized tests which also have changed we had the fsa in florida which was your typical end of the year standardized tests they had to take different ones in each grade and it was always chaos because you either have to do like a super testing day where all classrooms test at the same time or you pull out by grade level um and it was like two days my school would get shut down for six school days every single time we did fsa so that happened usually twice one time three times in one year where every single class was shut down i did the math one time it took away 14 instructional days from my year to administer the fsa so this year they have implemented a new test, which is supposed to be progress monitoring, but it's literally just the FSA three to five times throughout the year. But as someone with a disability that receives services in school, this test violates the federal IDEA law and there's no paper version of this test. That would happen a lot. I would ask for paper versions of tests and I would be told, oh, we don't have that. And I would be like, it's in the IEP and they'd be like, sorry. Yeah, and like the state government, they were told in like all the committee meetings, one, students with disabilities need paper pencil tests. And also kindergarteners don't know how to use a computer yet. And you're going to give them a test on a computer only the first week of school. So we already had that. And then immediately after that was the window for FSA retakes. So then you have all of the students that failed being pulled out and them missing an entire three days of school for FSA retakes and their teachers being pulled out for like an entire three days of school to proctor FSA retakes. God. Wow. Yeah. We have had like at least three or four people quit in the past like two weeks. It's October. Yeah, it's the first week of October. We're not even done with the first quarter. They hadn't even put in a grade yet. They took attendance and they said, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> literally. One quit and he taught two blocks of an AP class, half the year AP Gov, half the year AP Macroeconomics. They don't know how they're going to replace him. They're begging teachers to like give up their planning to like teach for him until they hire someone. Yeah, give up your planning to teach macroeconomics. Casual. It's very chill. Easy. <laughs> it is tempting because if it's like super temporary, you make $30 for each hour. But then if it's the whole year, you make an additional $6,000. And if you've already given one up and now you have no planning, that's an additional $12,000 you're getting in the paycheck for the year. People at my school used to fight over it. Like it would be like, no, I'm getting the supplement. People would be like vying for it because they all needed the money. So the shortage has been very different this year than last year. Last year, there were no substitutes. Uh, so kids would just sit in the auditorium for six months because there were no teachers. Um, this year we have substitutes, which is really exciting. We also are losing our entire arts department, including our choir director. Our choir director just left um, and he <laughs> has the interim sub that was across the hall from me last year. If you watch Redacted streams and you've ever seen my entries, I talked a lot about this interim sub across the hall from me last year that was crazy. An example, she ran like Big Brothers Big Sisters. And so she started coming into classes randomly. She came in and interrupted my government class. And she starts explaining all the different programs. And she looks at the two queer students in the room, like full eye contact, beating her eyes down at them and goes, we have BLT programs, LBT, QBT. Like she like couldn't say it right. She said it like four different ways. 
staring directly at my queer student. Imagine walking into a room of students you don't know, singling out the two queer kids in the class and being like, we have BLT programs, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Um, and I am like the theater sponsor. So like I'm the theater director. I don't teach theater. I don't know how I got this job, but I have it and I love the kids. So I guess I'll keep doing it. I have a lot of overlap between theater and choir kids. And so now I get to hear their stories and they'll come to me and be like, she made three people cry today. And then she made me teach the class harmonies. And then she told us to sing the Star Spangled Banner seven times. Seven is too many times to <laughs> sing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> Only song she knows is the Star Spangled Banner. I want to know, like after the sixth time, I want to know her thoughts where she was like, nah, they still don't have it. We need a seventh. We still didn't, we still didn't get it. She is something. Out of everything I know about this woman, she is something is the highest compliment we could give. So I want to hear about the icon move you made because you attended a civics training. A government funded, sponsored, and created civics training. Tell us about why you went, what happened, and the amazing aftermath. Okay, so... Florida passed this civics initiative where they wanted to increase civic education in Florida, which seems non-controversial and like really exciting if you are like a social studies teacher who teaches civics. In theory, it was supposed to like increase the amount of social studies education from like K through 12. And they were adding the option to be endorsed in civics, which is great because you get a $3,000 stipend if you're endorsed in civics. Florida doesn't pay us very well at all. Not enough to afford a home or rent an apartment. $3,000 sounds really nice. In addition to this, they offered like state trainings. And the state trainings were a $700 stipend plus 20 hours of like in-service points. And this training was three days long in the middle of the summer. I just like, when I think about it, it feels like a fever dream. Because we walked in, there's like hundreds of us in this room they rented out the whole local community college they did cater food for us it was panera which is not cheap so i walked in and i was like wow panera bagels they've got coffee they've got like those like new energy teas that panera has which are delicious we sit down and the first thing they do the first thing they do they bring out this woman who is from cuba to talk to us about the United States government and the founding documents and also the horrors of communism, like all at the same time. She's not an expert in like American history or American government. And she's about to explain to us quotes from James Madison and what they mean in a room that definitely has people with their PhD in American history. So she's doing these quotes, talking about communism and how scary it is and how it's horrifying, which was a joke that all of us made. We were like, uh, we're gonna go into this training and they're gonna tell us socialism's bad. And then they're gonna tell us about Jesus. And then they're gonna say that teachers are scary. And these were the jokes we made like six months prior to this training when we signed up for it. You accidentally manifested it. Right, immediately walk into a two hour keynote session, two hours about the horrors of communism and James Madison and the founding documents. And you have people in the room visually angry. We're not even two hours into this whole thing yet. We have three days to go. And people are like fuming, the vibes are off. And you've got people in the back being like, um, excuse me, actually James Madison wrote this in regards to blah, 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 blah. And 
I'm like literally sweating. I just drank way too many of those little Panera energy drinks, so I'm anxious. I want to speak to everyone that attended that training because from like district people that I've talked to, apparently social studies teachers have a reputation for being the spiciest and like the most difficult to work with and like the most stubborn. And especially with so many social studies teachers having higher education that's extremely content specific. You can't just go up there and be talking. Like, you can't just be like, hey guys, welcome to my channel. I think communism is bad. James Madison is a zaddy. Here's a quote from him. Let's base our entire curriculum around this one out of context quote. Like, you can't think that you're just going to walk up there and that's going to work out okay for you. Right. Then they start bringing us into our workshops and the workshops were so pointed. They talked about Jesus in almost every single one, implying Jesus Christ was a founder of the United States. They're like, all right, and now we're going to take communion. If everyone could just line up. We used the Panera bagels and <laughs> the energy teas. You're like, the, the body and the blood. Um, no. But so they just said like the most crazy things that were so one-sided. So like in our Supreme Court one, they removed Roe versus Wade, which I'm assuming they were anticipating the ruling because it was like three days before the Supreme Court's opinion. The little sleuths at the Republican Party called Ron DeSantis and we're like, hey, BT Dubs, delete this out of your teacher training. Shit's about to pop off. Amy Coney Barrett called him and was like, by the way, this comes out tomorrow. Make sure you don't mention it. Hey, big head, just wanted to hit you up tonight. I'll see you later. <laughs> um, but, um, so no Roe versus Wade. They also didn't include marriage equality or anything about being gay in general, like all of those Supreme Court rulings. And then they compared Engel versus Vital, which is like prayer in school, to Plessy versus Ferguson, which was the one drop rule, separate but equal. Why did I know you were gonna say that? Like, they literally were like, these are the same thing in different fonts. They were like Pam holding up the two pictures and being like, what's the difference between these two pictures? And one is school prayer and one is segregation. And they're like, these rulings are the same. They were both bad, of the same weight. What? How did they make that jump? They're saying that they're being persecuted? Yeah. Oh my so I guess, effing God. I guess they're like, looking back on US history, here are the two big, biggest examples of people having their rights violated. One is horrific racism that went on for generations. The other is that I'm not allowed to force children to pray and they're only allowed to do it of their own volition. Both are the same level of bad. In addition to that, they like only talked about originalism. Like they didn't talk about any other way you could in interpret the constitution. This is Ron um, DeSantis's wet dream for education. And that's literally just all in one session. There were eight sessions. I'm jarred, I'm terrified. This is a wild. So when you left this cult meeting retreat, if you will, um, <laughs> one, did they let you leave? Did you have to like do like a blood sacrifice to get out the door or something? I had to drink more of the energy teas so that I just would be miserable from having too much caffeine. Um, uh, but once you left, what did you do with this, this knowledge, this information that had been bestowed upon you? Before I left, I started texting my friends that still work in Florida politics because I do have friends in the parental rights part of FDOE by accident, like they just needed to do it for our master's program, being like, is this odd? Like, am I gaslighting myself right now or is this crazy? Um, and everyone was being like, Tati, no, this is really, really scary. And at that point it was like tame stuff that I was saying. People are like, Tati, 
you need to tell someone. So I started texting all my reporter friends. I very much believe in like local papers. So I was like, who do I go to? Like, who do I reach out to? Someone get me in contact with someone. I sent it to Summer Bruegel at the Miami Herald. And she instantly was like, this is a story. I need everything. From that point on, the next two days of the training, I saved everything I could, sent it all to her, and then I told her I wanted to be anonymous because I was scared. I was still not even in my second year of teaching yet. Everyone always talks about like, if you speak out, you'll get in trouble at work. So I was really scared and was like, I won't say anything. But then she was able to get in contact with like a bunch of other teachers at my union that were there, including my union steward. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll talk to you now. And then I went on the record for Miami Herald and kind of just like talked about the things I was seeing. We kind of focused in that one about the way this training downplayed slavery because they literally showed us a graphic being like, only 4% of people in the transatlantic slave trade came to like North America. The rest went to South America, like the overwhelming majority. Most of our slaves were born here. And I was like, is that supposed to make it better? What does that mean? You're like, if anything, that kind of makes it worse if you think about it. Right, like, um, okay. That was like the primary focus of what I talked about in the Herald article. And then after that, out to you by MSNBC. And MSNBC was like, we want you on air. And I'm like, is this a fake text? Like, what do you mean? It's like when you get those fake Amazon things that are like, you've won $2,000. Please click here to claim it. So MSNBC slid in the DMs. They didn't even slide in the DMs, like full text message. And I'm like, how did you get my number? Who doxed me? You were like, I need to pound some Panera energy drinks right now. (laughs) You're like, I'll do the interview as long as you have Panera energy drinks on set for me. If I walk in and there's not a blueberry lemonade energy drink, I will walk the fuck out. I'm warning you now. (laughs) You want your story or not and leave it in the thing for a couple days so it ferments and turns into prison alcohol (laughs) i need hooch um but i met with them and was able to like go on msnbc and we went through slide by slide of this entire training and like i was so scared thankfully i only got like really nice messages being like thank you you're saving public education this is so scary and i was like this Meanwhile, so nice. Ron DeSantis and Trump are at Mar-a-Lago and they're like, wait, is this fucking play about us? <laughs> exactly. And like nothing came about it at work because I don't bring it up at work. Nobody watches MSNBC. They're like, that's propaganda. Right. We don't watch that in Florida. They're like, I think Ron actually blocked that on my cable at my house somehow. I didn't see it. <laughs> the fact that you could be on MSN fucking BC and <laughs> nobody knows at your school or fly under the you- radar on whoa, national whoa, whoa, whoa. TV. Maybe they're just really being an ally. Maybe they were like, I didn't see shit. I didn't see I shit. I truly do think it's that one because I had one coworker <laughs> when Ben Crump, like the civil rights attorney, Ben Crump, who like represented Brianna Taylor. He reposted me on Instagram. I had no clue. And I show up to school and like one of my friends at work, he goes, you're my hero. And like shows me his phone. You're and actually like, also my boyfriend's hero. He also follows Ben Crump because he thinks it's interesting how he's always there. Like whenever there's an event, he's always there. Um, and he was like, he was like, your friend got posted. Oh my he was God. like, Mr. Redacted knows who I am. You're my hero too. Right? Aww. 
yes. I'm obsessed with you. This is the coolest. So now, so then nothing happened? Nothing happened. Amazing. So I love that after the Miami Herald article, I guess they made a few changes to the training because less people started talking about it. They also chose very specific districts. There's a district below us that's much larger. That's also a blue district. They were like, let's have all of them drive an hour and a half north and west and hope they don't go. They're like, this is Ron DeSantis's wild country. They're like, it's only accessible by horse. Park your car in lot 42 and saddle up, partner. We blocked all <laughs> the news did. channels but Fox. <laughs> they even blocked Fox. It's just the Joe Rogan podcast. Newsmax and Infowars are the only sites allowed. What's the what's that social media Trump is on Truth Social? It's like Facebook blocked, Instagram blocked. That community college Wi-Fi was reset to only allow Truth Social. <laughs> but so they did like nine more after us, and the only other ones to have complaints were like the one immediately after us, and the others kind of didn't have as much to say. So I think they must have made like significant changes. So like, why does Florida have a teacher shortage? They said, forget about the tests that we created and also base your performance off of. Let us focus on indoctrinating the teachers. Let's go straight to the source. Right, not even the kids, <laughs> the teachers. And what gets me Those is like- liberal teachers. So it's been crazy. A lot of people at that training were like, I think this is gonna be the year that I leave. They paid us so much money. They paid us $700 initially to attend the training. And then two weeks ago, we got a random email out of nowhere. And they're like, by the way, we sent you $3,000. It's already in the mail. And I was like, is this hush money? Here's a $3,000 so coupon for silence. I was like, did everyone else get this? Or did they just send it to me? Everyone else did get it. And then it's like, where is that money coming from? You can't afford to like pay teachers more overall in this state or like do anything for us in terms of like housing because most teachers can't afford a one bedroom apartment here or even a studio where I live. And like, you're spending all this money on this civics training. Y'all had money for Panera catering for three days, breakfast and lunch. And y'all can't afford to do anything else for teachers? They said we can actually only afford things when we're doing indoctrination because that comes from a different budget. It actually took money from the salary budget and transferred it to the indoctrination budget. Maybe if you were still a legislative assistant, we could have avoided this. Dang it. I'm going to go back to my budgeting days. You were our last line of defense. That's oh, why it started no. changing. We needed you here, though. We needed you to go to that training. It was, like, serendipitous. Yeah. yeah, it was one of those moments where I was like, this is why I left the job that I did. Yes, it was absolutely scary and, like, insane. And now I look back on it and I think it's a fever dream. But, like, it really was one of those really big career-affirming moments where I was like, I left my job because I felt like I couldn't do anything to stop the bad stuff that was happening. And here I am like attending this and it doesn't just impact me. I'm finally able to do something about it and say something. And here you are doing the damn thing on MSNBC. And also side note, a lot of times when someone says, oh, I was on MSNBC, they like were in the background of a 30 second clip. Our Queen Tati had like 12 minutes. Like they were like, this is the episode. This is the story. They gave Pay me attention. a whole episode. Like I filmed with them for three hours and then I got a second night. 
I didn't even see the second night. I need to go watch the second the night. The second night, it was just one clip. And then mm-hmm. they, like, brought in another teacher from across the state to talk about it. And it was nice because he was a veteran teacher. Because sometimes talking about it, being so new to the profession, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I feel like I'm right. And I was in you this are. case. <laughs> but I was scared that first year teacher me was saying things wrong. But the veteran teacher was like, no. Tati, how do you feel about us linking the video of your stuff in the description? I would love for people to see it. I also can send you the link for the Miami Herald article that I think links to the slides as well. I want people to see it. I want people to know all across the country that this is happening and what's happening in Florida is not just happening in Florida. They're taking the laws that we write and pass in Florida, copying, pasting them because that's really what our laws are in general. These are think tanks in the middle part of the country that exist on their own plane that get all this private funding that are making these laws they are writing them and they are copy and pasting them into states that they think are pivotal something we would always say in the legislature was like if you get florida you've won you've got the whole country if you can get a law passed in the florida legislature it can be passed anywhere so like it's gonna happen other places I'm glad you brought that up, that tons of these laws are written by think tanks in the middle of the country that are not Florida citizens. Their kids do not go to school in Florida. Like, I'm a very democratic person, and, like, whatever the the people want is what should be passed, even if I personally disagree with it. That's how a democracy works. But the fact is, and I think a lot of Floridians don't realize this, is, like, the people writing these do not give a fuck about you. They do not give a fuck about your kids. Their kids go to private schools, and they don't get exposed to any of this stuff most of the time. Like, the people writing these laws have, a lot of them never even been here and don't care. Like, it's all about media and, like, citizens, like, either being angry or being like rallying behind it is like exactly what they want and they don't even have a horse in the game no and they make them so vague on purpose like it's like you can tell that this is meant to be copy and pasted for every single state because of how vague it is that vagueness is literally what's getting us into the positions that we're in teachers in florida right now are losing their mind because we have zero guidance on any of this new policy because it's so vague so it's like absolutely insane. So this isn't super education law. It was another law that this happened with, but it came from the same think takes. There's one called ALEC that's huge. And um, multiple lawmakers in ALEC actually got in trouble because they took bills from ALEC, put it on their legislative floor, and left the parts that it said like, fill in state name, fill in representative name. They didn't even read it and go through it and plug in the information they were supposed to before putting it on the floor to be voted on. We're not dramatizing copy and paste. It's like copy, paste, control P, send a printer. And it's so scary. You grow up with this vision that democracy is happening where you grow up and then you work in it and you're like, wait a second. What's happening here? Especially right now with Florida education in particular, it makes the world so weird to look at. God. It's really brutal out here in these streets. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing, the whistleblowing, training, attending, the teaching. So you're going into your second year teaching and you say you're loving it. Like what is making you love teaching? Like what's making you stay and what's making you enjoy it? Like what's been your favorite? For starters, I feel really lucky. Like I'm at a really good school. I know it's not everyone gets that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I have an administration team that like is great and cares about us and like values us as human beings. 
um, and like they value our time. Um, my school is really young, being so young. I didn't have a lot of friends post-grad. My social studies department is primarily female and primarily under the age of 35. So I have like friends outside of school because of school. Also like the kids, as cheesy and corny as it is, they make this job so much easier, especially teaching kids that are like about to go out into like the world outside of high school. I hate saying the real world because 80% of my students live in the real world. They have jobs, they have responsibilities. They are so in tune to like life. And I just get to like sit up there and be myself and like model for them. Like this is what it's like to be an adult. Sometimes it sucks, sometimes it doesn't. And vibe and make jokes with them. And it's amazing. Seeing them graduate, uh, best thing ever in the whole wide world. Seeing kids you taught walk across a graduation stage, I was not prepared to get as emotional as I did the first time, but it literally, like, it's the most beautiful thing because it's like, look at you with your little outfit. Like, we are here. We are here. Yeah, it's literally insane. This year, it's going to be crazy doing graduation because I taught juniors last year teaching U.S. history, and I have them again this year for government. And so, like, I'll have had them two years and, like, get to watch them, I know. And, like, these kids that I teach, a lot of them really have not wanted to make it through. But a lot of them are doing it and they're, like, here. So that's just going to be, like, the best reward to see and know that, like, I was a part of that for them. Ugh, like, the best part. Ugh, Tati, thank you so much. I feel like we are so fortunate to have you. And I just think this is, like I said, so, so, so important. And thank you for blowing that whistle, toot toot. We love it. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Obviously, I'm going to link it all in the description of the podcast. Yeah, um, I don't make like traditional content, uh, but if you're just interested in seeing someone vibe on the internet and like be weird, I don't know, um, you can follow me on TikTok at quarter life crisis but it's like qrtr and that's me i love it thank you so much tati you are an icon a legend the protector of our democracy on the right side of history thank you so much for joining us this is an excellent episode everyone should listen please remember to rate it uh only if you like it obviously if you don't (laughs) keep that secret to yourself and if you can listen on spotify and apple because they're the only ones that rank us so they're the only ones that really matter rate it like it subscribe it bop it twist it bye love you bye love you yeah there you go say bye tati bye (laughs) love you